Chapter 11 of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie, a tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Gerville. Translated by Mary Neil Sherwood. Chapter 11. A New Idea. It is needless to say that Mademoiselle Beslin intensely enjoyed this glimpse of a luxurious, indolent life so entirely unlike her own. Clotilde told her own story, in very general terms, let us state here, and her school friend listened in breathless amazement. The debut of the diva, her first triumph, all that heady wine of celebrity intoxicated her. But, said Bonne Marie after a time, what was it that put into your head to go on to the stage? Clotilde smiled and played with the fruit on her plate. I was urged to do it she said at last, with a little movement of the pretty shoulders to which was due a great part of her success. "'Who urged you?' continued her curious friend. "'A man of wit and celebrity.' "'Where did you make his acquaintance?' "'At church.' "'At church?' repeated Bonne Marie. "'Why, it is a real romance.' "'No, indeed, no romance whatever,' replied Clotilde carelessly. "'You know I came to Paris to give lessons in singing and on the piano at a boarding school.' and then well i had a good voice and i have it still i was wretchedly paid for the lessons i gave eight hours in the day how much were you paid asked bonne marie always eager for information forty francs per month i was compelled to sleep in the dormitory with the younger children and to take care of them at night i was fed and my washing was done and what food and what washing and those children shall i ever forget them Clotilde sank in her chair and laughed. Bonne Marie laughed too, but the undercurrent of anxiety at her heart caused her to return to her practical questions. Well, then you gave lessons? Yes, and they made me sing in the parish church during the month of May. Ah, my dear, I made a perfect revolution there. Never had the good women who went there in the evening heard anything like it. They brought their husbands, and finally it came to pass that a newspaper man came in. He wrote an article, and one fine evening the church was so full of amateurs that it was no longer a church, it was a concert. And your boarding-school mistress? She said it was a disgrace, that was one of her favorite phrases, and announced to me that I was no longer to attend the services in honor of the Holy Virgin. And why, pray? Why? Well, it would be really difficult to say. She had three reasons. The first being that she feared lest I should discover that forty francs per month and a bed in the dormitory with the children was hardly payment for the services I rendered her. The second was that she was jealous of me. Jealous? And of what? Of everything, answered Clotilde, throwing her head back haughtily. Of my beauty, my intelligence, and my success. The third reason, ah, the third and Diva hummed the air sung by Paris in La Belle Hélène. The third there was, I am certain, but I never found out what it was, I believe. At all events, I just as usual came downstairs with my hat on, the next night at a quarter to eight to go with my class to church. As soon as she saw me, she forbade my going. And what did you do? I bowed politely and went out in front of her, and directly to the church, and took the place where I was in the habit of sitting. She had not dreamed of my doing this, and when she entered the chapel I was singing the Ave Maria Stella. "'Ah, oh, my dear,' sighed Clotilde, 
I don't think I ever sang so well before or since. I can understand that, cried Bonne Marie eagerly. And then what happened? The journalist of whom I spoke was there, and when I went out, he was waiting for me on the steps, and he made me such compliments as were quite enough to turn a girl's head. He handed me his card and told me to appeal to him whenever I needed his services. I thanked him, of course, and took the card. When I rang at the door of the pension, I, for I was, of course, a good deal after hours, the servant opened the door and handed me my clothes done up in a bundle, and my last wages wrapped up in paper. I was dismissed, or rather not to put too fine a point upon it. I was kicked out of doors, and pleased to remember without any certificate. Bonne Marie, in utter consternation, looked at her friend, who laughed in great glee. Yes, I laugh now. But I did not laugh then, I assure you. I slept that night in a garret inhabited by fleas, and the next morning I called on the journalist, a most charming man. Old? Young, my dear, young and handsome and kind. He at once did his best to find a position for me. This did not seem to be a very easy matter, but in the meantime I sang in several churches, thanks to his recommendations, and then one morning I was breakfasting with him, and I met— What? You breakfasted with him? Oh, I, I sometimes did. Well, then, this day, as I was telling you, I met the manager of a concert troupe, a café concert troupe, you understand. They asked me to sing, and I did so and the manager was delighted, and finally, to cut a long story short, he engaged me, and I sing every night. "'You will take me to hear you, will you not?' cried Bonne Marie eagerly. "'You can hear me now, if you choose,' answered the diva, running to her piano in the next room, where, after a little prelude, she sang an aria from an operetta, then much in vogue, with so much expression in her rich voice that Bonne Marie was thrilled from head to foot. But the strange words, the mocking intonation which made the success of the part, bewildered our little country girl. "'Do you mean that you sing such songs as those before people?' she asked in horror as La Diva twirled round suddenly on the piano stool and clapped her hands with an air of irresistible fun and mischief. "'They like it,' said Clotilde with an audacious wink. "'Now come and see all my pomades and paints and my brushes with which I ornament my face. It is ridiculous to be sure, for I am far prettier, in my opinion, when I let myself alone.' and appear just as the good Lord made me. Bonne Marie, with a certain vague repugnance, followed her friend into the dressing-room, and contemplated the various articles whose use and meaning were carefully explained by her friend. The diva, now a thorough Parisian, took the greatest possible delight in watching the impressions she made on her friend. It seemed to revive in herself something of the innocence and ignorance that had been hers, before she was launched into the corruption of her present life. After a long talk wherein Clotilde had always answered, and Bonne Marie always questioned, a silence followed, and the two friends, each curled in her own corner of the couch, looked at each other with frank curiosity and interest. "'And you, what do you mean to do?' asked Clotilde, finally, when she had terminated her mental inventory of the attractions of her companion. "'I do not know,' answered Bonne Marie, with a gesture of profound discouragement. "'Can you sing? You sang once.' "'Yes, I know I did, but I rarely do now.' "'Sing something this moment,' and Clotilde ran back to the piano. "'But I do not know anything, nothing but our old sentimental ballads and romances which we used to sing at boarding-school. "'Sing one of those. It will be very droll.' 
Bonne Marie began one of the preposterous melodies which belonged to the times of our grandmothers, and which are still found in the repertoire of some of the establishments for education of young ladies. By degrees her voice grew firm, and she succeeded in imparting to the insipid words an extraordinary amount of expression, and galvanized them as it were into life. "'You have sung that infinitely better than I could have done,' cried Clotilde. "'Why do you laugh at me?' said Bonne Marie reproachfully. "'Why do I laugh at you, Goose?' replied her friend. "'I am not laughing. What I say is true. You have a way of pronouncing the words heaven, birds, and flowers that I could never achieve were I to practice it a hundred years. You must have felt all this. You have done your share of dreaming, I fancy.' The country girl coloured. "'And yet you say you love no one.' "'No one but you?' Clotilde smiled and rolled one of her glossy curls over her finger, and then, as she tossed it lightly back over her shoulder, she said, "'I am unlike you, then, for I do love someone. Who is he?' "'He is rich, and a businessman.' "'Young?' "'Of course I detest old men. And then, too, one can be young but once.' Bonne Marie looked at her friend questioningly. It was clear that her mind was not quite at ease. "'You see him, then, daily, do you?' "'Of course I do. He dines here to-day.' "'And you will marry him?' Clotilde gave a strange, forced laugh. "'No,' she said. "'I think not, but that does not prevent me from loving him. Quite the contrary, I think.' She pronounced this aphorism with such superb aplomb that Bonne Marie was entirely out of countenance and did not know what to say. "'You are too innocent by far,' resumed Clotilde but it will not last. I have no concern on that score. But in the meantime, try to find out the things you want to know without asking so many questions. I think you will find that method more satisfactory. And now, tell me, do you wish to sing in public as I do? Bonne Marie clasped her hands in an ecstasy of delight, but did not speak. With your Madonna-like face, continued Clotilde, you would make a signal failure if you should attempt my style. But sentiment is your forte. Some people like that sort of thing. Shall I present you to my manager? He never refuses me anything. Bonne Marie nearly smothered her friend with kisses. Now then, be off with you, exclaimed Clotilde, laughing. This is the hour that Joseph is due. Joseph? Who's Joseph, your servant? No, indeed. Men in society affect that style of name nowadays, and servants are all Arthurs and Raouls. Joseph is, well, he's my best friend. I wish you to make his acquaintance, but not today. Come to me again tomorrow at the same hour. End of chapter 11 Recording by Susanna Mason